Hi, it's Jenny Nash, founder and CEO of Author Accelerator. I'd like to share with you a mini magazine we made called How I Built My Book Coaching Business. It's a story of Suzette Mullen, who went from being a lost lawyer and an empty nest mom to a writer with a book deal and a book coach with a thriving business. It's an inside look at how you can totally change your life with story. Just head over to bookcoaches.com backslash how I built. That's bookcoaches.com backslash how dash I dash built. You'll also see there an invitation to a free event with me and Suzette, where we're going to talk about her journey. I'd love for you to join us. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay. Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. everyone, it's Jenny Nash. Welcome to the Hashtag Writing Podcast. This is my first solo episode, and I'm so excited to welcome author and book coach Suzette Mullen. She's written a memoir called The Only Way Through Is Out, which is both a coming out and a coming of age story, as well as a call to action for anyone who's longing to live authentically, but is afraid of the cost. I've had the privilege of watching Suzette write this book from close to the very beginning, and it's a thrill to talk to her about it today. What we're going to be talking about is what's on the cutting room floor. What does an author leave out of a memoir and why do they leave it out? How do they make those choices and how do those choices inform what the book ultimately becomes? It's a really insightful look at a critically important piece of the process, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Suzette. It's so great to have you on the Hashtag Am Writing podcast. Thank you, Jenny. I am just so thrilled to be here. We're doing something today which is unusual and exciting, which is we're sharing what ended up on the cutting room floor when you were working on this memoir. And I just love this idea of examining what we leave out because it's not something we talk about very often. And you're very intentional in your sharing of what you left out because you're a teacher and a book coach and you want people to learn. Can you just talk a little bit about what it felt like to go back and examine what you left out? Did you did you feel sad about, you know, we always talk about kill your darlings. Like, did you feel sad or did you feel proud? Like I, I left those things out. What was your feeling when you looked at this collection of things you left out? Yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting um, because most of the scenes that I, um, I examined are scenes that at the time felt very important. And I probably spent lots of time on them and poured over them and now, um, I mean, there's a variety of reasons, and I know we'll be talking about that, of why they didn't make the final cut. Um, but a good number of them, I, I, I actually didn't feel too sad that they, that they, didn't, they didn't make the final cut. Um, they, some of them were just really, really unnecessary. I realized later on, and there's all kinds of reasons. Um, some of them didn't make the cut because the book changed as, as it went through the revision process and certain themes or threads 
were that were very important early on became less important. So whole whole sections really didn't need to be there. So no, I I I kind of I, I felt sort of happy to see how I had progressed as a writer, really. Um, so no regrets. And as we'll probably discuss, some of the scenes I cut, I have found other uses for them, some not at all. And there are actually in many of the scenes I did cut, there were maybe there was maybe a sentence or two that made its way into the final manuscript, but not entire paragraphs and pages. So that it's it's just such a fascinating concept, especially when we're talking about memoir, because when you're working on a memoir, you are the person who lived the story. You are the writer who's crafting the story. You're the narrator who's telling the story. You're the the protagonist of the story that you're telling. And you have to think about the reader. So there's so many different perspectives that you have to hold in your head when you're writing memoir. And I think a lot of people, this is where a lot of people fall off track in their memoir because they they glom it together into just, this is my story and I'm telling my story. But when you're looking at what you leave out and when you're looking at your intentional choices for is this going to make the cut and be in the book or am I going to leave it out? You're, you're thinking about all of those personas at the same time. And that can be kind of a um, brain, uh, <laughs> a brain expanding uh, exercise. What, what was that like for you? Well, you know, I was thinking a lot over the last few days, knowing that we were going to be talking today about where, What's sort of the overall umbrella that we that I looked at in terms of wh what made the cut and what didn't? And yes, you mentioned all those different perspectives and personas, but really it comes down to, or at least for me, it came down to really thinking about my reader. Um, you know, I know in Blueprint for a Memoir, you're talking about the impact on the reader, and the decisions really did come down to what about my reader what did my re what does my did my reader need to know and when did they need to know it and did they need a full blown scene to learn the information that was important um was the reader going to feel bogged down as far as the pacing goes and then in my case in my story um there were a couple of particular issues. One was around um, organized religion, and then one was around privilege that um, I, and then a third actually about writing, because writing actually plays a role in my story. And I needed to be thinking about, well, did my reader, how is my reader going to respond to um, scenes that related to each of those topics? And how much was enough or how much was, you know, what was too much. So really the reader at the end of the day was who I was thinking of. I am not sure I was, I had that, I was consciously doing it, but now as in retrospect, when I look at what I cut out and why the reader really was the key piece. So let's talk about deleted scene number one, which is about a scene about Costa Rica. Um, and, 
And the cast of characters that we're going to hear is Suzette and Evan, who was Suzette's husband, and Will and Patrick, who are her sons, Rini, who is her best friend, and Elsa, who's Evan's girlfriend, the, the husband's girlfriend. So in this scene, do you want to just give us a quick overview of this Costa Rica scene that ended up on the sure. cutting floor? Sure. Well, and just to clarify, when this scene takes place, there is no girlfriend. <laughs> um, the girl, the husband has no girlfriend. The Suzette has no girlfriend. Um, but so that Elsa was, it turns up later on in the book. But yeah, so this scene takes place um, close to, I think it's, it takes place about a third of the way into the book. And um it turns out it's a family vacation. Um, it it will turn out to be, spoiler alert, the last family vacation. But of course, I don't know that at the time. And um, my husband and I and our two sons are in this luxurious um, house that our friends own and have lent us for the week. It's just, you know, it's paradise. And um, my um when this the scene takes place, my sons and my husband are off on a bike ride, and I'm left at this beautiful, um, you know, ocean view pool, infinity pool um, house, um, and I'm alone. But I am texting with my best friend Rini, who is a key player in this story. So is that enough setup? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So I'm recalling actually that you did a mini blueprint at one point, which is a one page version of, of a story. And there's a question on the mini blueprint to identify your nightmare book review. And I remember that you put your nightmare book review, and this was, this was years before the book was actually finished, that you had put the, the nightmare would be that somebody would say, well, this is just a privileged woman sort of whining about this and that we don't care. And, and I thought that was first of all, so self-aware and brave of you to, to put down on paper. And it turned out to be a thing that in fact came up again and again, your book is being published by the university of Wisconsin press and, and a university press requires peer review and part of the peer review was this concept, this thread of, of privilege. So here's a scene where you're now confronting your nightmare head on. And the, the amount of, again, self-awareness that it takes to do that is just incredible. So can you talk about that, that here's a thing you've been told again and again is a, is an issue with your story, you know, in your heart, it's an issue in your story. And here's the actual scene, and you're confronting it. What can you talk about what that was like? Yeah, for sure. So privilege um, and uh, religion turned out for me to be the two trickiest issues to navigate in my memoir and um, for similar and different reasons. So with privilege, I mean, this there was a reality of what my life was. Um, you know, there there were facts. Um, I had, I am a white woman. I'm educated. I had 
uh, financial security. Those were all those were all facts. And I couldn't really tell my story authentically um, and pretend that those things didn't exist. So it's how do you how do you address it? Um, but what I could do is not um, hit the reader over the head over and over and over again with my privilege. I mean, part of the story, frankly, is about presenting this life on the outside that looks pretty damn good, right? And it was, I mean, in many, many ways. And so part of part of the story, it has to be in there. But I had to, did I have to include every single um, you know, every single aspect, every single possible scene that showed the privilege. No. So I had to be more strategic about where to show it and when not to show it. Um, I think when I originally wrote this scene, I was less self-aware about that. So part of the purpose of writing this was to show like this amazing life that I had and that I would later be faced with whether I was going to give it up or not. Um, but the other reason I wrote that scene is I think I didn't at the time fully understand that because what comes next, which you'll have to read in the book, is really the meat of the scene. It's really why it's really why it's there. But all of this, that's the deleted scene, really was just kind of lead, a lead up to the important part. And so that's one of the things I started learning is that I could start much further into a scene than just have to give the whole the whole preamble. Um, there was one other reason I did include that scene, which was I wanted to show how I was very preoccupied with this best friend, Rini. And so I'm here I am, I'm on vacation with my family and my kids and they're off and I'm, I'm texting with her, you know, thousands of miles away. And I realized I, I, by that point in the book, the reader pretty much knows how consumed I am with this friendship. So that wasn't necessary to have that there again. How do you determine how many mentions is too much? You mentioned rhythm and pacing mm -hmm. and this idea of, well, I've already made this point because there are, are there are times in a memoir where where things threads where things come up again and again and they sort of rise and fall that's that's a high level writing skill it's a sophisticated writing skill to be looking at a story in that way and it usually doesn't happen until much later in the writing process so if somebody's listening to this and they're just cobbling together their draft or they're trying to get their outline together this is not the place for that kind of thinking <laughs> but for where you were doing when you were doing that kind of thinking it's it's both looking at the specific instance of this scene, but also looking at, as you said, the the sweep of the story and how that topic rises and falls throughout. So when you were looking at cutting this particular scene, were you also holding in your head the whole, how were you holding in your head the whole story, I guess? Yeah. Um, 
That's a really good point, because obviously, if there's an important theme or thread in the book, you're not just going to mention it once or twice. I mean, there's a, it's a thread. It's going to be it's going to be threaded through the book. Um, I by the time I cut this scene, um, I had had feedback and I and I mentioned this in my um, behind the scenes um uh, the insider's guide to the only way through is out. I I had had feedback from a number of people about this scene and and questioning whether it was necessary at all um, for a number of reasons. Um, so it was already on my radar as a possible scene to cut. And in one of the final revisions, I've kind of lost track of how many there were, but in I did use um, Save the Cat writes a novel to look at, to really focus on my pacing. And so that was probably another reason why the scene got cut because there was, there was an issue with pacing. Um, So there just wasn't, there wasn't enough, there weren't enough reasons to keep this scene in. It just, it, it didn't, there wasn't an independent need that it served in the story. So that's why it really, that's why it really went. So before we move on to talk about another scene that ended up on the cutting room floor, I, I want to ask about something that you just said, you mentioned that you found yourself entering a scene too soon and that the, the heart of the scene tended to happen later so that you were cutting preambles almost to the scene what what is your definition of a scene or how did you use that idea oftentimes when people are writing memoir they struggle with what is it what is it where does one scene begin and one end what is a scene versus a chapter and and there's simplistic ways of teaching this you know a scene happens in one place and one time or or this sort of thing but in this case of the Costa Rica scene, since we're seeing the beginning that you cut and in the book we'll see the the heart of it, how do you define what scene is in in light of this conversation? Yeah, um, I'll answer that, but let me just clarify because your question helped me clarify that that actually this this deleted scene we've just been talking about costa rica that scene got cut completely and a scene that comes after that the deleted scene ended up being the core scene that needed to be there when i wrote it i thought i needed this sort of preamble scene to set up the scene that actually ended up in the book. And I, and I turns out I did not need it, but I mean, a scene, I, I think I've heard this definition from you, Jenny, and I use it with my clients all the time, which is, you know, think of a, a stage where your actors are coming onto the stage. They're there, something happens and then they leave the stage or the scenery is changed. So that is how I would define a scene. A scene is um, something happens, change has to happen, um, and um, it takes place in a specific time and place. And that, that would be it. So this deleted scene was you know, at a, I was sitting by a pool at a, in a very, very luxurious home. And um, there were things that happened um, 
and um, my my husband fell off a bike and um, broke his collarbone in in Costa Rica, and um, that sets in motion something that happens in the scene that actually made it into the book. But it turns out that I could have shared that information, and I did in just a sentence or two, rather than mm. full. That's yeah. that's so useful, right? The when do you show it versus when do you tell it? When do you summarize it versus when do you let it unfold? Exactly, exactly. I want to talk about another of your deleted scenes, which is the NaNoWriMo scene. This is deleted scene number three on your behind the scenes document, which as a reminder, people can grab in the show notes. You mentioned earlier that writing is a theme in this in this memoir. And just because I so deeply love it, will you tell the story of, of how a book coach helped you see what your story really was about? And then we can get to the NaNoWriMo scene. Sure, sure. Um, I'll, 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 I don't want to give everything away, but I can give the high level. I was working on another memoir and with an author accelerator coach way back in the day, well before I was a coach. And um, I wrote, um, I wrote a scene that was, I knew it was very vulnerable. It was very, it was really hard for me to share it. And um, I, almost didn't share it with my book coach. Um, but there was that inner voice that said, you know, you're writing memoir. I mean, and I thought to myself, well, I need to share this and maybe nobody else will ever see this or has to see it. <laughs> that was, that was, that's, that didn't, it didn't quite turn out that way. So <laughs> I wrote this scene about a really vulnerable moment I had with this best friend, um, Rini, and, um, which was a very long-term friendship and a very confusing friendship for many, many years. And when I sent the pages to my book coach, she, and I was terrified. I just remember just being terrified and I got the feedback from her. And of course she said, oh, these are the most authentic pages you've ever written. And I was like, oh yeah, I, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, right. And uh, she made a comment um, about a single, a couple of sent, a single sentence that I wrote that made me see that relationship with that friend in a very, very different light. And that is really the moment that sets this story in motion. So, I mean, Kemlo Aki is the name of the book coach. She was, I think, Author Accelerator's first book coach. And um, was, yeah. she changed my life. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's the story. And in the book, you'll get to read a little bit more detail about exactly what happened there. So writing was the beginning of this story that you're sharing and the deleted scene uh, is about you're doing NaNoWriMo, which if nobody knows what that means or or haven't done it before, it's National Novel Writing Month in which you write a draft of a novel in 30 days. And lots of people do it for lots of different reasons. And the scene that you cut was about your hearing about somebody who was doing NaNoWriMo and thinking, ooh, I want to do that. 
Um, so it's kind of about your coming into your identity as a writer and and doing this this thing. So um, why did this scene get cut? Mm. Yeah, this is this is really interesting because there was a whole writing theme in the book um, and, and it was more central at different times. Um, and I think it was there that the, the theme was there because, yes, writing was actually kind of the inciting or part of the inciting incident of the story. And then, of course, also being a writer we love writing stories and themes and all kinds of, you know, all the things. So I had a lot of things about writing. It was kind of a, in some ways, it was kind of a meta theme running through it, you know, going to writers groups and writing conferences and all the things. And um, so the NaNoWriMo was, in my mind, it was the moment that I I, I started really taking myself seriously as a writer. I learned to um, put my butt in the chair and all the things. So it felt important to include it. There also was an inner voice and the inner voice um, plays a very big role in my, in my story. And um, so there was an inner voice moment in the NaNoWriMo scene where, you know, my inner voice was speaking to me and I let it led me to take some action. So that felt connected with with the story. But again, at the end of the day, well, the writing theme got pared down. It didn't get cut out of the book, but it definitely got pared down. And again, it just this just ended up not being necessary. I mean, this wasn't this wasn't a story about how I became a writer. This was a story <laughs> about how I listened to my inner voice and um, had the courage to to take action on what I was hearing about myself and uh, was willing to take the risk to leave a safe, comfortable life, to live authentically. So writing was not really, becoming a writer was, was it was information the reader needed to know and it could be shared in a much more succinct way so it yeah that that got the cut <laughs> it did not make the cut so you're talking about cutting a scene in service of making sure the point of your book is is clear and centered and the finding that point I know for you was, was a long process and a long mm -hmm. journey. There probably was a time where you thought it was a book about becoming a writer or could have been, there's so many crossroads in the writing of a memoir and, and where we land and where that point is can, can change and get refined. I love hearing you articulate so clearly now from where you sit, we're talking today, the book is, is buttoned up, it's done, it's coming out in a few weeks and uh, you, you know what that point is so clearly. But when you, when you were writing the scene and then again, when you were cutting the scene, it was part of the process of your finding that point. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm a full believer in the blueprint method. I love it for myself. I love it for my writers. And in memoir in particular, I don't coach fiction. So maybe this is true in fiction as well. You also 
have to kind of write your way into the story. You, I think the blueprint gives you, you know, it gives you that target that you're aiming for. You're not just writing a random thing. You, you're writing about this thing, but then as you write and as you revise and revise and revise, you get more and more clear. You get toward that bullseye, hopefully eventually of what your story is really about. And, you know, for me, the only way through is out is about choosing authenticity and that there is a cost, um, but the cost is worth it. And the sort of secondary message is that it's never too late. It's never too late for a new beginning. So it took me a long time to get to that, but I finally did. And then once I was clear, then it was more clear what what scenes needed to be there and what scenes no longer did. Well, that seems like a beautiful place to end our conversation. It um, feels like you've landed somewhere and it's so exciting to have been able to watch your journey and, and see it now come to fruition. So I would encourage anybody who's writing a memoir or, or anything to get Suzette's book, which is called The Only Way Through Is Out and get this behind the scenes document and check it out and see would you have left those scenes out she explains in the document why she did and her thinking behind it it's a it's a really rare opportunity to to see so much content that didn't make it in and the reasons why it didn't make it in it's it's a a great kind of a master class in in writing and it just a, a fabulous resource that you've shared with us. So thank you for being here and, and sharing this journey and sharing these cutting room floor scenes. Thank you so much. It was really a joy to be able to speak with you today. So thanks everyone for listening to the hashtag M writing podcast until next time, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work.